Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com. When I was in uh, early junior high, uh, one of my favorite things in the entire world was skateboarding. And I remember showing up to my first legitimate skate park and I was determined that I was going to drop in uh, to my first half pipe. I didn't want to start with the little baby ones, you know, I was in junior high now, I was a grown up. So I decided to pick this five foot tall half pipe, which was taller than me at the time. And uh, I went up to the edge and I had my helmet, my knee pads, everything. And you, you get out to this ledge and I have my skateboard just sticking out and I'm looking down, uh, which seemed significantly more than five feet. And I, I'm just working through my head as far as, am I going to do this? And the, the problem at this point was a level of confidence. And I knew enough that most people mess up dropping into a half pipe because of their lack of confidence. And so they don't put enough weight on their front foot. And so they slip out as they go there. And so I just determined, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make sure that I have enough confidence to stick my front foot on the front of the board to make it down the half pipe. I'd done my research, I'd watched enough people fall, talked to enough people. And so after probably which would have been five minutes of just waiting, I just finally decided to do it and I placed my front foot onto the skateboard and fully committed, full confidence. And what happened is my front foot firmly planted on the skateboard, but actually I had so much confidence that it slipped in front of the board, which stalled my wheels, and I flew into the front, or sorry, into the middle of the half pipe and landed head first so hard that my helmet blew off my head, one of my shoes went off my feet, and I'm laying there and the whole skate park just stops and looks right at me. And I just make my way slowly, sheepishly off the half pipe and go over and buy a cactus cooler and a Snickers bar. And I just sit and I just sulk just in my own defeat and uh, have to rethink the whole thing. Uh, my, my problem was that I had misplaced my confidence into the wrong space and it cost me dearly. The reason I bring up that story is as I've witnessed uh, this year, the last few weeks, what's gone on in our nation and in our, in our world, is I have seen a tremendous loss or lack of confidence in things that we used to place confidence in. Everything from the economy to our government, to the political system, to our leaders, to social media, all of these things that at one time or another we had given a certain amount of confidence to had dramatically uh, began to just lose that confidence. And that, is not, has been, that has not been so disheartening to me as a pastor as much as is that we have began to not redirect that confidence, but we've just kind of given it up altogether. And what I'd like to just exhort you today is that through the book of Philippians, there is this theme, this central theme 
of confidence that Paul talks about again and again, a matter of fact, six times in three chapters, which is the most condensed that word is used in all of the New Testament. Paul is clearly trying to convince this church in Philippi that their confidence is in the wrong place and that their confidence needs to be redirected in the right place. So Philippians chapter 1 opens up with this this introduction, this welcome. And then it goes in, he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this. So here's Paul, gives this beautiful introduction And he says, I'm confident of of this one thing. This is the introduction to his letter. He says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ. This Greek word, pytho, is is this word that we see for persuasion or trust or deep confidence. And Paul writes this letter and opens it up just saying, listen, I'm confident in this, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in you is going to carry it to completion. Now let's stop right here because the apostle Paul has every reason to not be confident in much. He's in prison as he's writing this and on his way to prison, He was shipwrecked at an island called Malta. While he's there, he's bitten by a snake. Um, There's all of these things lined up in his life that would just make him start to lose confidence. But he says this, there is one thing I'm confident in, is that Jesus who began a good work in you, you church in Philippi, he's gonna carry it to completion. And for him, he's going to circle back to this theme in chapter 3. But, but he continues, if you go down to verse 21, and he has this famous line. He says, for, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul is talking about this tension he's living and not knowing if he's going to live or die and longing to go home. He says, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm, I'm torn between the two. I despise to depart and to be, or I de- I'm sorry, I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, here's this word, that, that Greek word pytho, he uses it again. I'm convinced that he who began a good work is going to carry it to completion. And then he says again, I'm convinced of this. Well, in order to understand what the this is, you have to go backwards. And it's that line. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to be here on this earth, I'm confident, I'm convinced, I'm pytho of this. I will live my life as unto Christ. That, that phrasing, to live is Christ and to die is gain, is kind of confusing. We don't talk like that. Watchman Nee, the the Chinese uh, missionary and philosopher, describes this verse as to live my life as if Christ is living it through me. Whoever you are and wherever you are, would you just imagine what that would look like? What would it look like for Jesus Christ to live his life through you as a mom with two kids trying to homeschool? 
What does it look like for Christ to live his life through you as a startup company uh, CEO? What does it look like for Christ to live his life through you as a student at a university? Because for Paul, as a missionary, imprisoned in Rome, just being shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, not knowing what's next, he says, I'm going to live my life unto Christ, Christ living his life through me. If I'm not yet departed to be with Jesus, I have work to do. I'm confident of this. And what I love about this opening chapter of Philippians is it talks about the past, the present, and the future. He says, I'm confident that he who began a good work, it's talking about um, our, our past, our point when Jesus meets us, he's confident in that. And I wanted to stop right there because you might be watching this and you might struggle with finding confidence that Jesus could redeem someone like you. Please listen to me. If anyone should lack confidence in God's redemptive ability, it would have been the Apostle Paul. Because before he was Paul, he was Saul. And he, as his profession, had given his life to the annihilation of the church. I mean, if, if anyone has reason to, to doubt confidence that God could start a good work in them, wouldn't it be the Apostle Paul? And God does this dramatic moment where he shows up, knocks him off a horse, he becomes blind, he talks to him, and Paul, this person who's given his life to annihilate the church, is now converted to becoming a follower of Jesus. And so I just wanted to stop right here and just say, listen, your life is not beyond God's redemptive ability for Jesus to come and rescue you so much so that for Paul, he's confident that he who began a good work. And some of you right now watching this doubt God's ability to get a hold of your life and heart. And this is your opportunity for you to place your trust, your confidence, your pytho, that Jesus can begin a good work in you. But he doesn't just talk about the beginning. He talks about the confidence as he who began a good work will carry it to completion. Now, here's where a lot of followers of Jesus get into trouble. We have confidence that God began a good work in us. But somewhere along the line, we become convinced that it is our job to finish the work. And so we work and we toil and we strive in the name of Jesus for the kingdom. And we find ourselves frustrated and weary. And Paul is saying, listen, the same God who began a good work in you, he is the one responsible for carrying it to completion. And my, my hope is that for those of you who feel worried and filled with shame and guilt, that somehow you have ruined your life because you're not trying hard enough, not doing enough. <coughs> Maybe 2020 has been a rough year for you. Listen, we can be confident. There's a lot we can't be confident in, but we can be confident in this, that he who began a good work will carry it to completion. But what about the middle? What about right now? What about the present? And this is what I love. Paul says, listen, I'm confident of this, that to live is Christ. That our confidence would be right now in November of 2020 in one of the strangest years anyone can remember experience some of the greatest loss and uncertainty we ever have, we still have a purpose. What is Christ living his life through you? Not through me, not through Paul, not through the church in Philippi 2,000 years ago, but through you. What does that look like? And, my, and I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, don't just give up confidence. Just redirect it. Put your confidence in the right spot. 
And that's the amazing, miraculous, redemptive power of Jesus Christ for your past, for your present, and for your future. Paul circles back to this idea in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. What is he talking about? Well, there was this problem in the early church that Jewish converts to, to Jesus being the Messiah were trying to convince these Gentile converts that they had to become Jewish, fully Jewish, in order to be a true follower of Jesus. And Paul is defending this with passion. And one of the markers of being Jewish, if you were a man, was circumcision. I know that's odd, kind of in our modern Western mindset, to associate that act with our spirituality. But in that time, this was a big deal. So Paul writes to them, and he says this, For it is we who are the circumcision, meaning we're the ones who belong to Jesus, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. So here's that word confidence, pytho again. Chapter one, he makes this incredible appeal. Our confidence belongs to Jesus alone. And then he goes, says, listen, we cannot place confidence in the flesh. That Greek word flesh is the word sarks. And oftentimes it gets confused, but the best understanding that I've, I've heard taught to me is that sarks literally just means humanity. It's our human nature. It's our natural bent. And so Paul writes this church and he says, listen, put no confidence in sarks, in the flesh, in your humanity, in the things the world would want to say. It's by your merit. It's by your effort. It's by your, it's by your prestige. It's by your role. It's by how much is in your bank account. There's all of these things that make up sarks, our flesh and our humanity. And Paul is, is writing. He says, listen, don't put confidence in that, which, and he continues, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then Paul goes in and he lists one of the most impressive pedigrees an ancient Jewish man could have. Read it. It's, it's, it's exceptional. And Paul's saying, if there's someone who has reason to put confidence, in, it's in their flesh, their own merit, their own well-doing, their own, their own um, world they've created, their own accomplishments. Paul says, I have more reason to be confident in that. But he has this line, put no confidence in the flesh. So here's what I want you to do. Think about this line, put no confidence in the dot, dot, dot. What have you been putting confidence in that has led you to anxiety, that has led you to fear or disappointment or anger? Because you put your confidence in your own humanity, the humanity around you, a broken world system. And Paul's saying, don't put confidence in that. And he says, if anyone has reasonable confidence in the flesh, it's me. But then he goes on and says this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes 
from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in, in his death. And so somehow attaining the resurrection from the death. And so if you can imagine right here, as Paul's writing this, he just starts writing furiously. He just starts getting his pen and he's just wanting to get this concept. Listen, there's no good in putting your confidence in the wrong spot. You're going to be like Benji on a half pipe, placing his confidence too much in the wrong direction and you're going to fall and you're going to experience a sense of loss that you never imagined. And Paul just starts to go and says, listen, I consider everything that I've gained, which he had gained a lot. Again, remember he had the highest pedigree you could have had as a Jewish male. He says, everything that I've earned, I consider a loss compared to this one thing. He says, knowing Jesus Knowing Jesus, the one, the author and finisher of my faith, the one who I'm trying to let live his life through me, this is the person, this is the one thing that I can place everything that I am, all of my trust, all of my confidence in him. Everything else around me comparatively is rubbish, it's garbage, it can't even compare to knowing Jesus. And he just gives this beautiful plea that I just want to extend to you today whether you've never given your life over to Jesus, would you let him begin a good work in you today? Would you let him, if you're listening to this and God is stirring your heart and you're sitting here racked with anxiety and filled with uncertainty because you put your confidence in everything else in the world and you're sitting here and you are not satisfied, put your confidence in Jesus. And for those of you who've done that and yet you've strayed, we've started putting our confidence in other things, come back. Let him be the finisher of that faith. Would we listen to this plea that Paul is saying is that we would let our lives be unto Christ. Let him living his life through us because everything else in the world will fade away. And you might be sitting here and this might, this might be compelling, but at the same time, it might be disheartening because you feel like, man, I've tried this. I've tried putting my, my confidence in Christ. But here's the good news. After Paul just gives this incredible exhortation, this is what he says next. He says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What is it? Knowing Christ. Full confidence. Giving your full life over to Him. He's like, I, I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, it took me some time to get back on the half pipe. And I had to, when I got on the half pipe, my problem wasn't my love for skateboarding, my desire to do this. I had to figure out where to put my confidence, where to put my trust, where to put my feet. And right now, if you're here and you've tried and you've missed, try again. The Apostle Paul says, I haven't arrived here yet, but I keep going. The one thing that he says is, listen, I'm forgetting the past and I'm straining toward what's ahead. Listen, 2020 is not done yet. And I know some of us wish it, that it was, but let's not wish away this year and miss maybe one of the greatest lessons that God could be wanting to stir in our hearts. And it is to redirect our confidence. When everything else has been shaken and stripped away, there is one rock in which we can firmly place our feet upon. And that is Jesus and only Jesus. And I, and I ask, 
Would you do it? Would you let him begin a new work in you? Would you let him be the one who finishes that work? Would you let him live his life through you? Practically, what, is, what does that look like? Uh, number one, if you've, if you've given your life to Jesus or you're coming back and giving your life to Jesus, one of the practical ways we see in the early church is baptism. You know, as Paul talks about this idea, is I want to identify with Jesus in his death. It's, it's this sense of even in our suffering, we can relate to Jesus. But in another letter to the church in Rome, he says this, that we were buried therefore with him by baptism and death. This is why we submerge into water. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. If you haven't been baptized or you were baptized when you were a kid and you want to walk in newness of life, I would encourage you, November 22nd, come and come to Moonlight Beach at noon, hang out with us and make a public declaration of what inwardly is happening right now. Identifying with giving up of everything you put your confidence in and coming and letting that die and raising to new life and experiencing the newness of life that Paul talks about in Romans chapter six. If you've already been baptized, my, my practical impl- um, application I'd encourage you guys to do, and I'm, I'm joining you in this, repent right now. Repent to the Lord where you have, if you've placed confidence in things you shouldn't put confidence in. Repent and and confess where you have looked to other people, systems, things to give you your sense of identity and purpose and come back and say, Jesus, I'm returning to my first love. In the next few minutes, we're going to have a worship song and I encourage you, don't turn it off, engage. And let's let the Holy Spirit do a new work in us. Thank you, Lord that we do not have to have it all together, that even the Apostle Paul would say, I haven't gotten here yet, but I'm pressing on towards the goal, forgetting what's behind. Lord, I pray that you would help us move forward by the strength and the grace of your Holy Spirit. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com.